This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for your tablet, smartphone, and desktop. Support the show and get a free audiobook of your choice by visiting audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. Follow Standard Orbit, Mr. Chekhov, and take us in. Hi, sir. Is the word of Landru. Joy to you, friends, and thanks for joining us here in Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated show to the original series. My name is Drew, or Landru, and this is my co-host Mike from Commentary Trek Stars. Hey, how's it going? It's doing good. Glad to be back. Glad to uh, uh, continue our discussion on villainy. Yeah. Oh, and relative villainy compared to one another. Yeah, a bit, a bit more villain, villainous uh, this time around. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, we'll jump right into it. All right, last week we discussed uh, V'ger Khan, Krug, and the Whale Probe, or perhaps us being the villains of the first four TOS movies. Yep. So, we'll tackle the last two and the two JJ movies and see how they stack up. So, Star Trek V, uh, the villain seems to be William Shatner. Oh, no, sorry. <laughs> uh, Star Trek V is great, and you know it. <laughs> uh, Star Trek V is not a very good movie, but uh, I do love it. I love it a lot, and, and yeah. a lot of that has to do with what Shatner brought to the to the picture. So, rock climbing. He totally brought rock climbing to the picture, and you know, <laughs> John Woo ripped him off a few years later. Everyone loved that. It's true. That's the deal. We need to recut the beginning of Star Trek V so that it's. Uh... More like the beginning of Mission Impossible 2. That'd be cool. Yeah. And have Kirk put on sunglasses that explode. That'd be better. Yeah. Although I like the beginning of Star Trek V quite a bit. That rock climbing sequence I think is very beautiful. It is it is very pretty. All right. But uh, the rock is not the villain. We just climb it because it's there. Yeah. The villain is well, Cybok, kind of. But it, it turns out that he's more of the, the manipulated henchman but well, who's manipulating him i mean god quote unquote i mean it, it, yeah i guess that's true he is being manipulated by the that being on that planet but i mean he's pretty well i mean i don't know i guess it's kind of weird because we never get like a good baseline for cybok we never right. know what he's like when he's not like under the spell you know? Right. Has he always had these powers to relieve people's pain? Uh-huh. Or was that something given to him by this this being in the center of the galaxy? Mm-hmm. It's it's hard to tell. Yeah. With without like a, a baseline. Yeah. I don't know if he would do these. I mean, because he was brought up by by Sarek. And I mean, he does say that he's being misled. I mean, he sacrifices himself at the end because he realizes the error in his ways. Yeah, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I would I would say that sure, Cybok is an antagonist, but he's more like he's more like the Bond girl mm-hmm. in in a Bond movie who who works for the bad guy, but ends up like betraying him in the end because they realize how they've been manipulated for so long. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It- that that'll be the only time you hear Cybok compared with a Bond girl, but. <laughs> 
he's pretty sexy, you know? Sometimes that uh, little uh, robe thing comes up a little a little bit, you know, rides up a little bit, and you can see see his legs. <laughs> I was thinking more of the ears. Oh. Uh, sometimes those pointed ears yeah. can do something to you. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I, I don't know. It's weird. But, I mean, I guess if, if we're talking about it like we talked about the, the probe from Star Trek Four or V'ger from Star Trek One, you know, it he is kind of the villain in this sense. You know, he is certainly the antagonist. He's the reason why they are going to this being in the first place, you know, even though the being may be the, the big baddie and he's the henchman. Which makes me think he's more like odd job than he is like a botan girl, right? No. Yeah, but he ends up. I mean, odd job doesn't ever like turn against Goldfinger and try to kill him. Uh, I guess that's true. Yeah. So I would say, for our purposes, you know, under the definitions that we're using, he is the villain. Yeah. Who is Cybok? You think? He's certainly. I thought we a... were arguing that God is the villain. Well, I think that God is the the big baddie, but. You know, Cybok is definitely a villain in the sense of the term, in that he's the antagonist, like we were saying last mm-hmm. week. Okay. You know, but he is like the face of 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 the the antagonists or whatever. Yeah. Even even at the end, when he reveals himself. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's he true. Reveals himself as Cybok. Yeah, even. and Cybok perhaps redeems himself at the end. But, you know, he's he's the reason, the the source of all the conflict in the movie, at least from the perspective of the crew. So yeah, yeah, he does take over the Enterprise. Yeah, that's that's pretty villainous. Mm-hmm. He tries to take away Kirk's pain. That's really villainous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He brainwashes <laughs> people. Yeah, you know, he's definitely more villainous than a whale probe. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> Again, other things you never I never thought I'd say. It's it's just it's weird because, you know, like we're saying, we don't ever see Cybok when he's not doing this stuff. We don't see him when he's being good. So we never know what his sort of like true personality is like. I mean they say that the, you know, he had conflicts with, with Spock, you know, because of his philosophies on um, you know, emotions and stuff, but that doesn't make him a villain, you know? Right. Yeah. All right. So, Cybok, question mark. Meh. Yeah, and you also have Captain Claw in there, too, right? Oh, I 100% completely forgotten about that character. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's, that happens. But, but you know, he's he's weird because his whole thing is he's like, there's a ship out there, and it's captained by Kirk and you know to fight Kirk would be awesome so he yeah, really is just trying to like pick a fight I never really thought about it like you know he's like well Kirk is awesome I want to fight him is it it does seem like like a Shatner thing yeah you know yeah well my character's obviously super awesome so everybody wants to fight him yeah no but I can see like a Klingon you know a young Klingon captain doing that thing and then it's the older um you know, uh, ambassador, the Klingon ambassador who needs to like talk him out of it and say like, no, we're going to help them here. And he's like, oh God, really? (laughs) 
you know, and it's just one of those things where he's, you know, young and stupid and, you know, wants to pick a fight. Yeah, I, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah. Uh, which is unfortunate because in the next movie, uh, the Klingons are, some Klingons are again the villain. Again, Chang is definitely the, the face of villainy, but we've also got Cartwright and West and all those people. Yeah. And the Romulan ambassador. Yeah. Poor guy. Like, everybody else has a name. <laughs> even even when we're probing Valeris for information. Valeris is another one. You know, she's just like the Romulan ambassador. It's like, she doesn't even know his name. She doesn't, she doesn't say his name there? Oh. No. Oh, well. It's just like, even during the Scooby-Doo ending, it's... <laughs> Which I don't like at all. The whole, you know, oh, it's Chang. Poof. Yeah, I understand. I know who Chang is. Cartwright. Yeah, we got it. Yeah. The Romulan ambassador. Oh, okay. Odo. All right, we get it. <laughs> yeah, they could have done that better. I think that if they would have done that ending and taken out the uh, the audio cue. Yeah. Then, you know, and just had like quick cuts or whatever, it would have, it would have worked better <laughs> yeah. yeah the poof sounds that's not not here nor there well that is the reveal of the villains so i guess that's kind of there i can see yeah well yeah no no i mean it's you know yeah yeah all right but but chang is definitely the the antagonist he's the one who's who's jumping in the way of things and you know setting up these assassinations and quoting shakespeare endlessly Mm-hmm. From from the comfort of his cloaked ship and shooting at the Enterprise, but but like, I the villainy really is the status quo. You know, we only know war. I mean, that's not really the villain. You know what I mean? Yeah. But that that's really the driving force behind all of the the bad guys is fear of change. Yeah. Yeah. And and I mean, the, but the. <laughs> I do I do think that the that the villains in Star Trek 6 are much more villainous than um a lot of the other movies because you know they they are scared but at the same time their fear is causing them to do some really really harmful stuff and you know that's not really an excuse you know mm-hmm. and it's not like these people learn I mean maybe society learns from the error of their ways, but these people don't. And what these people are doing is they're, you know, killing and everything in order to sort of maintain the status quo, which is not something which should be maintained in the first place, you know? So, I mean, I do definitely think that all of these people are villainous, you know? Yeah. And we even see, you know, like Kirk who's like kind of like one step away from becoming what they are. And, you know, through the course of the movie, he sort of learns that, you know, this is not the right thing to do. And he rises above, whereas these people don't rise above, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. The The villains of Star Trek Six probably are the, the most clear cut. And it's nice to have a variety Instead of it just being the Klingon, that Klingon over there, he's a bad guy. Yeah, but we also have 
the Romulans and Federation and Vulcan and like all these these people uniting. Uh, it's definitely like a rogues gallery kind of of thing, a uh, a suicide squad of you know just the best of. I mean, had they brought in like Harry Mudd and and then then it just would have been complete. Yeah, we need a scoundrel. <laughs> And for this story, you really need to do that because, you know, if you were to just say like, oh, it's a group of Klingons who are doing this because, you know, they're xenophobic or whatever, then you're kind of missing the whole point, you know, yeah. to say like, it's these people over here who are the bad guys. And it's like, no, it's, you know, um, bigotry, that's the bad guy, you know, and, and bigotry knows no bounds and we need to you know, wipe it out from the inside and the out, you know, and so, so it, it totally makes sense that you would have both Federation and Klingon operatives involved in this situation. I mean, like you need that element in order to make this story effective. It It is weird that we've got, that this is what brings everybody together. Mm-hmm. Like, normally we'd all be fighting, but in order to keep fighting, they all band together in friendship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very strange. That's how it works sometimes, I guess. Um, I, I also think that in terms of, like, a villain, villain, Chang is, you know, one of the, the best out of all of them. Mm-hmm. Just sort of, like, his character, and you look at it, and sort of, like, in terms of the, you know action beats and conflict beats and and his motivations and how he's a foil to Kirk and everything like that. It's really, really solid. You know, he's right up there with Khan. Um, I think it's definitely the best of all of the Klingon captains and everything like that in terms of of that relationship because he really is sort of the mirror image uh, to Kirk's character. You know, he's Mm -hmm. the Klingon version of Kirk and he's just taking it a bit too far. And uh, he's, uh, you know, Kirk's equal in terms of combat and everything like that, in terms of, you know, intelligence. And uh, it's it's works really, really well in this movie. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, I there I mean, if if you look at Into Darkness and everything like that and the way that things are going, I mean, it only makes sense that the next movie is going to be about war with the Klingons you know it just it just makes mm-hmm. sense why would you I mean especially like okay so you have like conflict with the Klingons in one scene really in Into Darkness they're the big Star Trek villains from the original series you gotta I mean if this is going to be the big finale which it very well could be it was Star Trek 13 then you need to, to to do war with the Klingons that's where everything's been leading up to just like you know Marcus says and, you know, a lot of people are like, well, what's that going to be? Blah, 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 blah. And I really, really, really hope that if they do that, they make Chang the villain. Because, I mean, you know, Captain Chang instead of General Chang or whatever, mm-hmm. you know? I mm-hmm. mean, that just seems like the perfect way to go. Maybe, you know, he loses an eye over the course of the movie <laughs> or something. Maybe we'll do that. We'll have a, we'll pitch our Star Trek 13s. <laughs> yeah. I love Chang. He never gets it. He doesn't get nearly as much credit as he deserves. So I mean, Christopher Plummer. Yeah. You can't go wrong. Yeah, he's amazing. All right. Well, let's jump 
forward and backward in time. Okay. Forward, you know, 15 years. No, how many years? Uh, it would have been um, seven, 18 years. 18 years. So we'll go forward 18 years, but also backward to before. Yeah, backwards like 35 years or something. So we'll talk uh, Star Trek 2009 mm-hmm. and its villain of Nero, the Romulan miner who wasn't happy that his wife died in an accident and he blames Spock mm-hmm. and somehow messes up everything. And this is one of those, this is another one of those movies where I don't know what it is, but like the rest of the plot, like Star Trek three, the rest of the plot distracts me from the main villain. And I'm like, Oh yeah, Nero is in this movie. Well, that's the thing is, you know, the movie is not about, Kirk versus Nero, or anyone versus Nero, Spock versus Nero, I guess is what what it would be, really. You know, the movie is about these people coming together to solve a problem. You know, these people, you know, forming their team or whatever. And, you know, Nero and his craziness is the event which triggers that formation. But what happens with that event is really kind of unimportant in the grand scheme of things i mean yeah they blow up vulcan and everything like that and that's a big deal for spock for sure but in terms of like the movie itself like as a thing like what's important is um seeing the relationships uh form between the uh you know enterprise crew so like is nero kind of a weak villain yeah i i would say that he is you know i i don't like the fact that He's a guy who was mad at Spock for not showing up on time, you know, before his plan. And I mean, they could have come up with something better. Yeah. You know, I, I think like you, with, with a, a fairly simple rewrite, you can come up with like a slightly stronger motivation there. Like maybe, you know, Spock did something to him personally or something like that. But, you know. Once he's doing his thing, I think it's kind of an interesting characterization, you know, like the the idea that it's not like a captain of a military vessel or anything like that. He's just like a miner and, and he doesn't have that sort of like formality or that training. He just has like a mm-hmm. really big, you know, heavily armed ship, you know, that can that can wipe out, you know, people because it's technologically superior, you know. But he doesn't have that training or anything, any of that stuff. So he makes mistakes and, and all that. That's all cool. You know, the motivation mm-hmm. is, is the is the big problem. But, you know, an even bigger issue than that is whether or not it matters. And to me, it doesn't really matter. I don't really care about Nero at all. You know, when I'm watching that movie, I'm watching it for the the crew and not for the villain. Yeah, I I agree with you there. Uh, it's you're right. It is disappointing that that I mean his backstory is so so vague, but his informality. He's he's just he's a miner with a big gun. Yeah, I mean like he's just a guy from any episode of Next Generation. He's just somehow he got a giant gun and he's just gonna go and blow everything up. Because, and his only real, the only time he really shows any kind of strategy is kidnapping Pike to get, you know, the codes for Earth's defenses. 
Yeah. And other than that, it's just like, you know, well, I'm just going to go blow up your planet. Apparently Vulcan didn't have any defenses that he needed to get past. Okay, whatever. <laughs> oh, maybe he just got past though. I mean, we kind of jump into it, right? I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'd have to watch it again and see. But, yeah. yeah. I guess Earth's defense, or Vulcan's defenses were everyone who went to go fight him and got blowed up. Yeah. 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 He kills a lot of people, which is, hmm. Probably, well, definitely the most deaths out of any of the villains we've had. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, even Vulcan. Even more than the whale probe. Well, maybe over the course of time, V'ger killed more people. V'ger probably killed more people, but not in the movie itself. Hmm. Because V'ger has, like, entire solar systems stored in his database, which I don't know how yeah. it would kill, the, but whatever, yeah. I, I was, I would kind of hope that it, um, and you you don't really get that an ending you know of V'ger you know it just kind of disappears and the Enterprise is left I part of me well, all of me hopes that it put everything back but how is it going to do that necessarily and we know it doesn't I, do that because where's Ilea yeah. yeah yeah I guess yeah dang it <laughs> I was trying to trying to redeem V'ger after we'd already talked about it but nope Okay, fine. <laughs> I think it's what is that thing? Um like destructive whatever. Oh god, I don't even know what I'm thinking of. Where it's like in order to um preserve something or do something you you Oh, I know what I'm thinking. I'm thinking of like film preservation and stuff. <laughs> right? Where like you have okay. to destroy something in order to, you know, preserve it or whatever. You know, kind of like like when you're like uh hot splicing film when you're cutting negative that's why mm -hmm. like if you if you cut that's why i think george lucas says that there's no uh way to restore the original theatrical cuts um but yeah you know that's what she was doing she was cutting negative when it came to all those things she cut ilia's negative okay <laughs> and if you were to bring her back she'd be like missing like two frames missing a couple frames yeah, yeah. <laughs> important frame somehow yes yes yeah so nero eh. but i mean he definitely makes an effect on on that universe yeah yeah it's just that it's not earned i mean in terms of like his villainy he's definitely villainous but in terms of being like a well-rounded character uh not so much all right and the last slash most recent movie is uh star trek into darkness mm -hmm. all one word and and the villain we've got we've got joint villains yeah. of uh RoboCop and Khan. Spoilers. Yes. Robocop and Sherlock. <laughs> and uh yeah, I mean this is a situation here which is kind of interesting in that obviously Khan is the marquee villain and uh but was hidden and they weren't able to make him a marquee, <laughs> which true. ruined the Yeah, they didn't put ruined promotion of the film. <laughs> Yeah, they didn't put him on the marquee, which is weird. Um, but, you know, we we get that sort of, like, a backstory, at least sort of metatextually, where he's, you know, known as as the villain, as the big villain in Star Trek. So we have all that baggage, which is uh, mm -hmm. associated with his character. Um, but then, like, he's got a really good point in all of this. He just goes a little too far. You know, he's got, you know, anger management issues, I guess. 
You could say that. But like, you know, he says like, you should have let me sleep. And they really should have. <laughs> and they woke him up and he was cranky. And, you know, I mean, you can't blame him for that. Right. Right. <laughs> I mean, they try to take his people away from him. They try to they use his people against him. And, uh, you know, he's just smarter than them. And he's like, I'm not I'm not taking any of this. You know, you you poked the bear. What do you you know? <laughs> This is what happens. And, you know, the the real villain, just like we were talking about how, you know, the god being in Star Trek V was the real villain and Cybok was the henchman. The real villain here is uh, Marcus. Mm -hmm. You know, he's the guy who's trying to use Khan in order to destroy, you know, everything the Federation stands for and, and all that stuff. And... um it's it's just like one of those things where unlike Cybok where he's like oh my god i was being used i i feel so you know bad about this let me sacrifice myself here khan is like you're using me i know that you're using me and i don't like it and i'm going to kill you in addition to these people who you you know wanted me to kill most likely because you know i don't like any of you people yeah, Benedict Kahn is not someone I would compare to a Bond, Bond girl. No, no. And, you know, it is kind of weird because, like, when I was watching the, the movie and um, there's the whole thing towards the end where he's going to help uh, Kirk stop Marcus, right? Mm -hmm. And, like, at that point, I'm like, are they spinning it so that he's not? the villain here because that would be kind of cool if this movie ended with like kirk and khan being like yeah we're, we're cool you know yeah no i was i was thinking the same thing at that point and then when you know it's like that would be really ballsy of them to be like you know kirk and khan yeah. you know why not right why not friends friends forever yeah and then when spock you know calls up spock and is like tell me a little bit about khan and spock's like he's the most dangerous person you ever trade, you know, don't trust him. I was kind of like, oh, well, that's too bad that they're doing that, you know? Yeah. I would have liked to have seen it all work out in the end for them. But I guess that wasn't going to happen. Mm -hmm. Marcus reminds me of the villains in Star Trek Six. Yeah. I mean, but he's not teaming up with, with, because he's working on his own, I feel that makes him even more villainous than the international intergalactic cooperation between uh the Romulans and the Klingons and the Federation. Like we should we should go back to war. It's really cool. Is he acting you know, he, on his own though or not? I mean sure. He's definitely not acting with Klingons. That's true. That's true. I'm I'm saying even if he's not acting alone within Starfleet, oh, okay. it's still it's still one side. Yeah, yeah. Saying that there should be war. I don't know. Maybe there are Romulans helping Section Thirty One. We wouldn't know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I see what you're saying. Yeah, but that's pretty villainous too. You know, for sure. Secret, yeah, I would say extra villainous. Yeah, secret organizations inside governments. You know designed to uh start wars and and whatnot usually not a good thing no no yeah in real life or in fiction yeah so he's definitely at least for this story more villainous than khan although we know that khan's backstory involves him 
basically trying to take over the world. So I guess you kind of got to give Khan the upper hand in that sense. Mm-hmm. Khan's just the older villain. Yeah. He's got a bigger picture than Marcus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, why take over Klingons and we could just take over everybody? Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. But yeah, uh, Marcus, villain. Khan, also villain. Disappointingly. But that's the way them them breaks is. Yeah. Yeah. And certainly, like, if you look at the two J.J. movies, the villains in Into Darkness, I think, are much more solid than the villain in 09. Definitely. Yeah. They do more than just drive the plot forward. Yeah. I actually like the villains in Into Darkness quite a bit, you know, and I think that they're they're used to, uh, you know, comment on the bigger picture as opposed to just provide a plot device for uh the heroes mm-hmm. and that's cool i mean like kirk's relationship with khan is uh more important than his relationship with uh a lot of the characters in that movie and who knows what they're gonna do with this next movie maybe it'll be chang yeah i'm going for chang we need to i'm hoping i'm hoping for a uh for a sentient computer that we have to talk to death but that's Oh, they can well, do that. That's too. a spoiler, you know. They could, they could they could throw that in there too. We'll have to see who who would they cast as Chang. We'll have to figure that out. Yeah, yeah. I, I think we'll do an episode on on our hopes. We'll we'll pitch our Star Trek thirteens. Okay, and we'll we'll get casting and all that kind of stuff. All right. Well, it was fun talking about uh, the rest of the villains today, but that's just one of the Trek topics we've been talking about on Trek FM this week. Here's a quick look at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.fm, Standard Orbit. Because it's it's actually legitimately trying to say something. Yes, it's very Star Trek. It may be the most Star Trek of all Star Trek. Yeah, it's definitely what I would point to as being, this is what science fiction is about. Earl Grey. Kovac will tell us to experience Bij sometimes, in which case we will draw the Bij card, Klingon word for pain. Is so it is. It is. It is. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun. To the journey! That's the one thing we could take from Homecoming is like paragraph one, Chakotay and Seven break up. That's for real. Yeah, they that shake happened. hands and go, hey, it's been fun. It's been nice. Thanks for the picnic. Eh, see ya. Commentary, Trek stars. Fair At this enough. point, like they could say, yeah, why not? Star Wars crossover. I would I would essentially say, fine. Both franchises are dead. Let's just sew them together and see what happens. Melodic Treks. One of the most well-thought-out alien races that you only see in one episode. Yeah, and the music is, is it's menacing without being over-menacing, if that makes yeah. sense. Axonar, the official podcast. I think Justin Lin is a, is a fascinating choice to direct because... The Fast and the Furious movies, even though, yeah, they're action, adventure, road race movies, are really about a family. The 602 Club. That's really cool, though. I mean, I, I think that is uh, a fantastic way to get to see just about any movie is, is kind of being able to watch it through a kid's eyes. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows and get in on the daily Trek talk. you find them on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, SoundCloud, or you can just stream them from the website. Just visit trek.fm slash podcast to get all the links. If you want to contact us, share your thoughts on villainy or predictions for the villains for Star Trek Thirteen, 
you can go to track.fm slash contact. There's a form there. Choose to send a show and choose standard orbit. That'll come to both of us by email. You can also use the tab on the left-hand column of any page to send us a voicemail using your webcam's microphone. And you can talk to us and our other listeners at our Facebook group, The Babel Conference. In social media, you'll find our Facebook page at facebook.com slash trek.fm and on Twitter under username trek.fm. Mike, where can people find you out of orbit? Well, you can find me here on trek.fm doing commentary Trek Stars with uh, Max and John. And you can also find me on commentarytrackstars.com doing commentary Track Stars off topic with Max and Brandon. And you can find me on Twitter at mumbles3k. You can find me on Twitter at 005, D-O-U-B-L-E-O-F-I-V-E, and various other places around the network. At this time, we'd like to again thank Richard Rutledge Jr. for being our associate producer this month. You can find him on Twitter at R-U-T-8972, and we really appreciate him supporting us on Patreon. Man, thank you very much. Before we go, we'd like to ask everyone to please support our sponsor who helps us bring Standard Orbit to you each week, and our sponsor for the show is Audible.com. Audible's a great way for you to read all the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have time for. Audible's the premier source for audiobooks, with more than 150,000 titles to choose from and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers and even some of the most famous Star Trek books like Prime Directive, Federation, and Spock's World, Audible has something for everyone. Mike, what do you have for everyone? Well, I have uh, the second part of the book which I uh, talked about last week, which is um, Star Trek The Eugenics Wars, The Rise and Fall of Khan Noonien Singh, Volume 2. This one is also written by Greg Cox, but it's narrated by René Aubergenois. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's three hours and 15 minutes long. They say, Many unanswered questions remain about the terrible eugenics wars that raged on Earth during the 1990s, an apocalyptic conflict that brought civilization to the brink of a new dark age. Centuries later, as Captain James T. Kirk and the crew of the Starship Enterprise are forced to defend a colony of genetically enhanced humans against Klingon aggression and sabotage, Kirk must probe deeper into the past and into the glory days of one of the greatest adversaries he has ever faced. And you can get this book for free since you listen to us. That's right. As a listener of us, you can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a 30-day trial to see how great Audible is. So give it a try today. Catch up on all those classic Star Trek books you've yet to read or that latest novel from your favorite author. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trek.fm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trek.fm and we thank Audible for supporting Standard Orbit and Trek.fm. And lastly, there's another way you can keep us in orbit, and that's by supporting us on Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash trek.fm, you'll find a list of donation levels where you can get things like exclusive digital goodies, early access to episodes, access to our project manager, and even be listed as an associate producer for our shows. You'll find out where the donations can go on the website, things like covering the monthly cost of hosting and distribution, hiring an editor for our shows, and upgrading our equipment. Again, that's patreon.com slash trek.fm, so check it out. Well, that was a good villainous discussion. Yes, very evil. Yeah, I feel like going out and punching a baby or something. <laughs> All right, that's cool. That's cool. However <laughs> you get your kicks. Yes. Okay. Well, everybody, thanks for listening. Have a good week and keep on trekking. It is the will of Landrew. Mr. Chekhov, take us out of orbit ahead. Walk factor one. Hi, sir. Thank you.